Okay, friends, can I invite you to return to your seats, please? Just a couple of announcements, and then we'll move into some prayer time. Uh, first, this coming Wednesday is our semi-annual meeting at 7 o'clock. It is going to be um, where my office is located, which is currently in the, the old federal building, the, the brick building west of City Hall. There is parking available in the city lot um, just to the south of that, so it'll be free, park there, come on in the back doors. I've sent out the instructions about that and the agenda and all that for uh, the semi-annual in the, the email I sent out last Sunday. So please check the details for that. Please remember to bring camp chairs or folding chairs or something else. We don't have a lot of chairs to go around and this place is very empty. Um, and so we're going to we're going to be, you know, sort of like the Israelites were told to go out and live in tents for a, a period of time every year. This is sort of like this reminder that this is, well, this is part of our life right now. We are somewhat displaced and at home at the same time. And so you're going to be welcomed into my new and temporary location. Um, and we're going to enjoy being together and just continuing to connect about what God is doing among us and taking care of family business. So it's all part of being a family. So I'd invite the family members to come, whether you are a member or simply now call this place home, you're more than welcome to be there. We would appreciate you coming. Secondly, uh, the council has just approved a special project to take an offering for Camp Caroline. Um, So Camp Caroline um, recently put out a request to the ABA churches Um, basically sharing that this past summer they had expected to get funding from the government and then had hired workers to make sure that the summer programs um, went ahead as planned, and then the government funding did not come through. And so the programs went forward, but the funding did not. And so they're in a a position where they really need some help to make ends meet uh, at the end of the year, and so have asked for some help. So we put that out to the the council, and the council said, absolutely, let's take up a special offering for that. And so that's a special project that's available. So if you give by way of push pay, or if you use offering envelopes, you can just check the box that says special project and donate that way. And that will go to our, our bookkeeper, who will make sure that it all gets redirected to Camp Caroline. We don't have any other special projects on the go at the moment. We do normally take an offering for angel treat at this time of year, but you were so generous last year that we are not going to need an offering this year for angel tree um, as we approach the holiday season. So we will do the angel tree project, but we won't need to fund it this year. So uh, we will be looking for workers who are going to purchase gifts and and drive, wrap them and then drive them to the the people who are going to uh, be receiving them. Um, But we won't need to take up an offering for that this year. So thank you for that. And thank you in advance for giving to Camp Caroline because this is a part of who we are as the the ABA family of churches. Um, They've been a great partner and many of us have been blessed by Camp Caroline. I I go there regularly now for prayer retreats and and have so much appreciated my time there. Um, They just make that available to us. But I know that many of you have gone on, whether it's retreats or summer camps or at other times we've been there for baptisms and so on. So um, let's bless Camp Caroline at this time. Okay, that um, special project is now open and it will we will receive funds for it until Sunday, December 17th. So you have uh, just under a month to give to that project as you feel led. Okay, and we'll make sure that they get the funds by the end of the year. And they are very grateful for that. So thank you. Um, I have a, a friend who is a pastor who just retired 
And um, he's visited here a number of times. And one of the things he said uh, as he's come here a couple of times is how much he has appreciated someone else leading in prayer. Uh, He said, at this point in my life, I need someone else to help me in prayer. And that sort of just redefined what I'm doing here, even in the moment as as I, with a microphone, just guide guide us through some prayer. So would you be led in prayer and and enter into that journey with with me and with us together? And let's, let's be led to our Father, right? Let's enjoy his presence. Lord, we look to you. We just sang about that. We look to you. You're aware our help comes from. Give us vision. Lord, I I pray that we here would see you. Would see what you want us to see. Lord, would you guide us and make us a people whose ways and whose thoughts conform to your ways and your thoughts. Lord, may we once again come to you as good father. May we once again come to you as the king who is on the throne and put those two things together. My good father is on the throne. We pause now to meet you and worship you and engage with our good father on the throne. It is not the Father alone that we worship. We worship Jesus. What a friend of sinners. Thank you. I can be included as a friend of Jesus. That's me. That's us. Lord, would you lead us deeper into friendship with Jesus, the friend of sinners? May we find peace there. May we find forgiveness and reconciliation and healing with Jesus, friend of sinners. Good Father, King on the throne, the one who sees and oversees all, every nation, 
every child, the currents and the ways the wind moves, the migration of species, the way that people spend their time. We trust you. Jesus, friend of sinners, we know that there is no one and nothing outside of your reconciling work. You said when you are lifted up, you will draw all people to yourself. Continue that work. You said you would send the spirit. Send the dove again, Lord. Make us people on whom the dove will rest. Lord, we look to you at this time. We are ever and always in need of you, and you are ever and always available. Lord, may we avail ourselves of you. May we reach out and find that you are not far, that you are here, that you are at work. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. What a gift. Lord, would you open us to your word? Many read it without understanding and without relationship. Would you grant us both in greater measure? May we get to your heart this morning, and would you put your heart, your words in us? that we might bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles, please? Um, I would really appreciate it if you are flipping to the scriptures that I am covering this morning. John 15. We've been working our way through chapters 13 to 17, and we're in chapter 15 right now. Last week, we covered, I am the vine and you are the branches. And we're going to be continuing on with that this week. But someone asked me, um, what's the definition of fruit? I am the vine and you are the branches. You know, apart from me, you can do nothing. With me, you can, uh, you will bear fruit. Right? Let's look at that. Every, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Verse 2. Verse 5, I'm the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Someone asked me last week, what's fruit? As we talked about that, give me a definition of fruit. Fruit is anything you could not produce on your own. 
It has to be supernatural. It has to be from Jesus. If this came from you, it isn't fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not just character, right? It would include the fruit of the Spirit, but it is far more than that. I mean, what Jesus is going to talk about in these verses involves action. In fact, he he just spoke a few verses earlier about there being supernatural works of Jesus coming out in our lives, chapter 14. But in context here, the, the fruit that is most going to be in view is answered prayer. Right? Would you look at that with me? Starting at verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, that one is thrown away like a branch and dries up. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. The fruit in context, among other things, but I'm going to focus on this one, is answered prayer. You will bear much fruit. Right? Look at verse 7. If you remain in me, so we're still in the vine and branch analogy, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Would you just look at that verse in your particular translation and talk to God about it for a moment? As you look at those verses, that verse in particular, and that phrase in particular, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. How many of you would say, honestly, there's a wrestling happening right now? I'm seeing a lot of very tentative nods. You're like, yes. It's happening, isn't it? It's a tough verse to read because we're struggling with both our loyalty to Jesus, our, our belief in his infallible word. This was inspired by God. We trust Jesus. And so often we have not seen this very verse manifested in our lives. And then we wrestle because we want to say yes to Jesus. I get it. We want to see this. We want to see more answered prayer. We want to see fruit. We want to see changed lives. What's going on here? And then on top of that, do you know how many times Jesus says this? Go with me. Go with me, okay? Go just flip back a page. Chapter 14. 
verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. He says it twice there. Twice. Then then flip ahead, not just the verse that we read, but the The next one, just a few verses down. So chapter 15, verse 7 is the one that we just read. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then he says it again, just a couple verses down. Look at verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And then he doesn't just say it there. Look at chapter 16. Verses 23 and 24. On that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. And then verse 24. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. That's six times in three chapters. This one thing. And then we're just in John, right? Think about the other places in the Gospels where Jesus says this again. Ask, seek, knock. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be open to you. And then he goes on and tells a parable about it and says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask? Right? That's not the parable, but the parable is... uh, you know, if you being evil, you know, could give your, your child uh, an egg when they, when they are, would you give them a stone and they ask for an egg or, and, and so on, right? If you being evil know how to give good gifts, in other words, you're good parents, but you're still evil. Your heavenly father is perfect and so much better than you. So it, it just compounds the problem now as, as we, as we look at these verses, Right? The wrestling you might have felt a little bit, it's like, oh man, it's really there. I really want to see answered prayer and I really want to see fruit. What are we going to do about this? Now, I know some of you are thinking, and you are right, it's not a blank check. Right? Jesus gives a couple of qualifications. Right? The, the careful Bible readers among you are, are noting those at the moment, and we can note them. Okay? So go back to the verses we're looking at, chapter 15. Right? He says, if you remain in me. Right? If my words remain in you. So there, there are a couple of qualifications there. But you've been there, right? I mean, You've been there where you genuinely are connected with the Lord. You genuinely are asking with unselfish motives. And then you go to the Lord and you're like, Lord, it says. What are we going to do? You know, James does reinforce this stuff. James says, um, James 4, actually go there. Would you go there? James near the end of the New Testament, Hebrews, James. Chapter 
James 4, 2 to 3. You do not have, you desire and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. Then he says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So he's covering off, you know, the, there are a few qualifications, right? But again, if his word is abiding in us, if we're taking him at his word, we genuinely do want to see the fruit, and we are staying connected to him. That's what abiding means, right? It's simply the connection. We are fostering this relationship. We are looking after this relationship. It is healthy, it is growing, and so on. What are we going to do about seeing the fruit? So let's make sure that those two things are in place. We are abiding in him. We are making those connections. And his words are abiding in us. In other words, we're we're treasuring his word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin, sin against you, right? We are growing, developing this. We are growing that interactional relationship with Jesus, right? In scripture and in prayer, et cetera, in worship and so on. Okay, so... Everything else I'm going to say today now assumes that we have those sort of qualifications in mind. You're not asking with the wrong motives. You are abiding in him. His words are, are abiding in you. We are, we are growing in this. I'm assuming all of that moving forward. We need to take God at his word. We need to look at these verses and say, if you ask, you will receive. The qualifications in mind, we need to start taking him at his word. And we will receive. The problem isn't that God is not backing up his word. I would like to suggest to us, friends, that the problem is that we don't recognize the answer. I would like to suggest to you that more often than not, what's actually happening is God is granting our requests that are, that are asked with those qualifications being met. But we're not recognizing the answer. And so what I would like to do is walk with you through a, quite a number of scriptures on how God answers requests so that we can reframe our own perception of the way God answers prayer, so that in the end, we might actually receive what is being given to us as we, as we ask. Because there is so much potential here to connect with God and see more answers to prayer because Jesus wanted more fruit. God is highly, highly motivated that we bear fruit. God is highly, highly motivated that we see more answers to prayer. He said it six times in three chapters alone. But we need to come with a posture of, you're going to answer this prayer. I know you are because you are a good father who gives good gifts to your children. I am learning to abide in you. I am hiding your word in my heart. I am approaching with trust as opposed to I am approaching, approaching with um, 
I might believe if you prove it kind of thing. But we need to retrain ourselves for looking for the answer to prayer. God often answers indirectly or unexpectedly. I had a friend um, who's an older pastor, who's a mentor when I was in my 20s, and I used to ask him a question, and he would take me 10 minutes to get he would take 10 minutes to give me an answer and he would start the story so far back, I would often have forgotten my question by the time the answer came and he would have to remind me of it. Do you, have, do you know anyone like that? Yeah, okay. God can sometimes be like that. So we, we saw this just a couple of weeks ago, two weeks back, remember? Um, John 14, remember? Let, let's go there again. John 14, verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, asks him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Remember we covered this? The disciple here suddenly discovers that what he had thought was God's plan is not actually going to be happening the way that he had thought it was going to happen. And so he asked Jesus the question, hold on, you're only going to reveal yourself to disciples. You're not going to reveal yourself to the world and show who you are. And Jesus takes all the way down, that's verse 22, all the way down to verse 31 to answer the question. And he answers it in the most veiled and obscure way. He says, but so that the world may know, so there's the revelation, I am answering your revelation question, so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then he asks what the question had been, why are you, gonna, why are you about to do something different? His answer is about, answer is about doing. I, I do, so the world may know, I do what the Father has commanded me. I, I'm going forward with this plan because the Father told me. But Jesus takes a really long time and answers it in an indirect way. Very much like my friend who backed so far up to answer the question that I had lost the very question by the time he gave me the answer. Jesus sometimes does that. Will it be any different for your prayer life? Okay. What's the next one? I know you know these, most of these other examples are ones that are going to be really familiar to you, but I would like you to try to hear the question and hear the issue and then actually go, oh, I know it's familiar, but that actually doesn't connect as much as I had thought. So for example, John the Baptist, John the Baptist sends disciples to Jesus. John is in prison. He's wondering what's going on. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and John's disciples ask Jesus John would like to know, are you actually the one who is to come? In other words, are you the Messiah? Or should we be expecting someone else? That's the question. Are you the guy or are we expecting another guy? And how does Jesus answer the question? You know the story. How does he answer it? What does Jesus say? And call it out. Jesus' answer is go tell John what I have been doing and what you have been seeing. Is that the answer John was looking for? 
Does it even directly answer the disciples' questions? No. And yes, it is the answer. But it is an answer that is not direct, and it is an answer at the deeper level to even the underlying question John is asking about Jesus' very identity and why Jesus is doing what he is doing. And God, in Jesus, answers the question, but he answers it at deeper levels and gets to the question under the question. What about your prayer life, my friends? We're just getting started because this is all through Scripture, okay? Which one? The Pharisees. Yes. He does, right? So what Ruth just said there is that when Jesus responds to John's question, Jesus actually quotes scripture, which further confirms his own identity being rooted in God's plan. And Jesus sends John back not only to what he has seen and experienced, what his disciples are seeing and experiencing, but how that then connects with scripture, how that connects with God's bigger story. Similarly, the, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, by what authority are you doing these things? He's healing on the Sabbath and so on. And Jesus says, well, I'll answer your question with a question. John's baptism, was it from God or not? Does that answer their question? Yes and no. This is the way God responds to our prayers. A guy is lowered through a ceiling. You know the story. He's paralyzed. It is implicitly a request for healing. Right? And what does Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Request and answer are connected, but they aren't immediately connected the way that we think they are. This is the way God operates. Chapter 10 of John, verse 24. The Jews, meaning the Jewish leaders, surround Jesus and began saying to him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're actually the Messiah, tell us plainly. Are you the Messiah? And Jesus interestingly says, I told you and you don't believe me. But then he says, how did I tell you? He he never verbally said, I'm the Messiah. What he says is, I told you by the works that I do in my Father's name. Those are what testify about me. His answer to them was like his answer to John, what have you seen? That's my answer. A woman comes to Jesus for deliverance for her child. And what does he say? 
it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. He actually insults her. That's insulting, particularly in their culture. Dogs were not pets back then. They were scavengers. They're crows on four feet. My point is that God answers our prayers, but very often we need to learn to recognize the answer. He answers, but in unexpected ways. And we need to learn the discipline of looking for unexpected answers. Let's go deeper because there's actually more to it than that. God's indirect and unexpected answers often also involve our participation in order to see the full answer show up. For example, the woman at the well says, Jesus has been talking about, I've got living water. And she's like, I I want water so I don't have to keep coming back to this well. And Jesus says, oh, you want living water? What does he say next to her? Pardon? Go call your husband. The request is for water. How does God respond? He exposes something that needs to be dealt with, right? While simultaneously inviting her into the process to receive living water. She's going to have to do something. Often, our prayers, the answer is there. It is given, but we must participate in the process to receive it. I mean, so many examples. The Exodus. The Exodus happens because the Israelites cry out to God. They say, we need to be saved. And God sends them Moses. He, he, but the answer to that prayer is to call one guy who isn't even in Egypt at the time and do a whole lot of work in him, and send him in. And then they have to follow this guy in order to receive the answer to the save us. In order for them to go through the Red Sea, what does God do? He doesn't just part the sea. He sends Moses up on a mountain and says, raise your staff. That's the answer to the prayer request at the sea. As the the Egyptians are coming and the sea is there and they're like, we are stuck, help. The answer to the prayer for help is go up on a mountain and raise your staff. God answers our prayers, often in unexpected ways that require our participation to see them happen. They, they, the Israelites go out into the desert so that they've finished, the, the, they've moved through the Red Sea, they've gone a few days journey, and they realize we don't have any more water, and the water around us is bitter. Exodus 15. 
And Moses cries out to the Lord, the people are thirsty. The the prayer request is for water. And you know, all the scripture says is that God showed him a tree. (laughs) This is funny. Like Like it's honestly funny when you look at it in the text. Go Go, go there. Exodus, I, I want you to see this. You have to see these things in Scripture. It's Exodus 15. Verse 25. Verse 24 says, The people grumbled at Moses, saying, What are we going to drink? Verse 25, Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. He didn't even tell him what to do with the tree, at least as far as it's written here. The answer to the prayer for water was a tree. We need to start looking for prayer requests and being willing to acknowledge that the answer might not make sense to us and that I will have to participate in the process because then Moses has to throw the tree into the water. And does that make sense to you? Do trees cleanse water? You sinner. (laughs) He said yes. Not normally. Take a different example. Let's go to like healings illustrate this so many times. Naaman comes to the prophet for healing. To make a long story short, the prophet tells him, go dip in the river seven times. The answer to his request for healing was something unexpected, inconvenient, and makes no logical sense whatsoever. Go dunk in our dirty river. And he's offended by it. The answer to his prayer request offended him. Ten lepers come to Jesus for healing. And his response to them is, go show yourself to the priest. They they come to Jesus for a request and he says, go elsewhere. And they receive their healing. He spits and uh, makes mud, heals a blind guy. I, I mean, we, we have to learn to pray prayers, expect to receive the answer, and that it won't look the way we expect. God will be glorified and we will bear fruit if we begin paying attention to how the Lord answers prayers. We will see more fruit. The the, the ways that God operates are so counterintuitive. I mean, it's right in Scripture, right? His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's Isaiah, right? But we don't actually practice that in our prayer life. We just assume that we're going to pray something and it's going to show up as the end result. But so often, in fact, that what we have asked for, the answer to it is coming, A, in an unexpected form, B, 
Often it's participatory, so we need to join in the process to receive it. And see, it's often a process. So what we do is we ask for the end result, not willing to enter into a process, perhaps because we didn't even recognize that that was the answer to our very prayer request. These, these healings involved a process of go here, do this. I would like to suggest to us that we don't often recognize the answers to our prayers and that God has been far, far more faithful in fulfilling this word, but we have lacked recognition. And if we grow in this, the Father will be glorified that we bear much fruit. So expect to receive. I went far longer than I was expecting. So what I'm going to do is shorten the end. Um, Two stories. Mark Verkler, I've told you this before. Mark Verkler prayed the prayer, Lord, fix my wife. And God's response was, love your wife. Was that the answer to his prayer request? It actually saved their marriage and changed their lives when he learned to recognize that God's answer to him wasn't what he expected because he had asked God to fix something about his wife and God had responded with something different. And in the process, it changed their lives. Wes told us the story about crying out, saying at the Buffalo Hotel, Lord, may there be no more deaths at the Buffalo Hotel. And how did God answer that prayer request? What did he tell him to do? He said, go worship at the Buffalo And that's what stopped the deaths, right? Unexpected, participatory process. What will he do in our lives, friends? He will back up his word. May we learn to be faithful in engaging him asking for the recognition, Lord, how are you answering this prayer request? Because I take you at your word. If we start taking him at his word, we will see prayer requests answered and he will grant us. You know, that, that song that Sarah chose, Lord, um, I look to you, give me, give me vision, give me wisdom, right? You know what to do. Lord, help me see it. Help me join in that. We're going to play the, the testimony from Dallas. Some of it will illustrate what we're talking about, but we're also just doing it to show you an update on her. Um, then I'll close with a couple, of, a couple of things. So this testimony, so Dallas just sent us an update, right? We sent Dallas to YWAM. She sent us an update. This was prior, just so you know, th- this was recorded prior to when we recorded some, some prayers and prophetic words for her and sent them off, just so you know just so you're aware of the context. But she's just given us an update so that we can remember to pray for her. All right, let's pray. All right, let's watch this. Hey, everyone. Um, I just wanted to do a quick update video. Um, here's, I would show you guys a nice view, but it's actually really not good weather today, like the first time ever. Um, and yeah, ignore my red neck. I fell asleep at the beach. 
Um, so yeah, I just wanted to give a quick update to you guys. But first, I wanted to thank everyone so much for you guys' support and prayers. I appreciate it so much. I wouldn't be here um, without a lot of you guys. So I just want to thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, my time here has been super awesome. Um, we just finished week six. And the lectures have been probably one of my favorite parts about being here. We're just learning so much cool stuff that we've been able to cultivate here. Um, I've seen so many cool things. Um, Holy Spirit Week was really, really crazy. It was a couple weeks ago. Um, I saw physical healings in our classroom. There was um, one of my roommates uh, actually got healed from PCOS, which is an ovary um, physical condition. And um, yeah, she got totally healed from that. Um, I got um, some healing for some emotional things and it was just a crazy, crazy experience. Totally changed my life. Um, I've had the words um, Mary of Bethany spoken over me and that's really what's been happening through me in this season. I'm just, just at the feet of Jesus, just serving him and learning how to do that better. Um, yeah, just things have been so awesome here. We found out... Um, our outreach um, locations a couple weeks ago, I got a strong word from the Lord for where I was supposed to pick. And um, it's somewhere in the Middle East. I can't share where for security reasons, but um, I'm really, really excited for that. Um, it's going to be crazy for sure. Um, I've got a really good team. And yeah, we recently just had um, Fear of the Lord Week and um, like Fear of the Lord and Lordship. That was a really cool week. Um, my roommate yesterday actually shaved her head and all her hair off because the Lord told her to. It's like a long story, but that is just a little bit of how awesome the people here are. Um, so yeah, uh, it's been really good and I really appreciate your guys' prayers so much um, also yeah the being homesick hasn't been as th bad as I thought it would be um, and I had my birthday a couple days ago and it was just so awesome I just felt so loved and yeah the people here are super awesome all the leaders and the staff um, yeah I think that's all so yeah just thank you guys so much and yeah Hi, guys. We, we share that partly so that you can be praying for Dallas, especially as she heads out to the Middle East. Okay. When I saw that video, I'm like, do I want to show that part? Can I cut out that part about the roommate shaving the head? The funny thing is, it actually illustrates what we've just been talking about today. Right? And if you think that's weird... Go back to scripture and see what God tells some of his prophets to do. Will you participate in a process? Will you look for an unexpected answer? I mean, th this, this is an unexpected answer to a whole lot of prayers. God is good. And this also illustrates abiding. She is learning to abide. His word in her, her in him, fruit.
Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the invitation and the challenge to take you at your word that you are a good father, that you give good gifts, that you long to answer prayers that are asked unselfishly with your heart in the middle of them, that your work might go forward. Lord, would you do that in our lives? Would we see more answered prayer as we abide in you and your word abides in us? May we see fruit, supernatural stuff that didn't come from us. It's fruit where we look at our lives and go, that's not me. Look at the Lord. Lord, thank you for Dallas. Thank you for what you are doing in her life. I pray peace and protection over her as she heads to the Middle East. Lord, would you put her on people's hearts regularly to uphold her in prayer. And I I pray that what she is experiencing now will bear fruit where it is most needed. Lord, would you do the same for Kate? Would you do the same for the others who have gone to their respective places? I think also Sam, Anna, Annika. Lord, we want to be people who abide well and bear fruit wherever you send us, that we might see your works happen in your name, that your world will be changed, that the Father would be glorified, that we would bear much fruit. Make us look more like Jesus. Thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you put us together and that we get to be here as a body, seeing you at work. Grow us in you. Help us stay connected well. In Jesus' name, amen. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit carry you through this week. Amen. You could use your help putting away the chairs, refreshing the bathrooms. Um, there's an odd word that's coming to mind. If the word staples means something to you, I'd like to pray for you. Uh, that's a very odd one, but it would illustrate what we just talked about. So bless you and have a great week.